You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening. To you, one and all, I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. And further ado, quite frankly, should be my middle name. Professor Charles Further Ado Porterfield. Well, welcome back. What a week, what a week we have had. And before I go any further... I want to wish each and every one of you who is observing or who is not observing, whatever. It's just a friendly sort of a thing, a sweet Passover, a sweet Peshach to you all. 
Hope you have a good one if you're doing anything. Hope you have a nice one if you're not doing anything. Hope you have just a great time. Well, before we get to the LMC news, we've got some professorial news, as it were, that I want to handle. Did you all, have you all been listening to the LMC radio network this week? We've had some fantastic shows on. Were you listening Wednesday? Great show. Well, we welcome them back. Kai Armand and Paige Zayafu with On Sacred Ground. They talked about Harry Hay, a, a favorite figure of mine, an important figure in my life. Did you listen to Fit and Foxy with Madam Nadia and Jaye? Did you? It's a good show. It was a good show. Did you catch in the streets? Great show. Heavy hitting stuff there from Beverly Smith. What about the Crystal Silence League? Did you add your prayers in to the Crystal Silence League? Hope you did. Tomorrow, are you going to be listening to the witch, the priestess, and the cauldron? Mm-hmm. Hope you do. Saturday, hopefully we'll have liquid libations, and then Sunday we'll be back again for the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour. Wait a minute, record scratch. He didn't mention one show. What show didn't he mention? He did not mention Candelo's Corner. Did you listen to Candelo's Corner this week? Tata Candelo, my good friend, Candelo went all up there, snatching wigs, burning hats, laid it all down on the ground. And I thought to myself, great show, but I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, look who's all up in my shit. Look who's all up snatching wigs and burning hats. I So, so here's what we're going to do. So here's what we're going to do. Next week. We're going to see, no promises, but next week we're going to see if we can have Tata Candelo, that's right, Candelo Canvisa, on the Now You Know show to answer a series of letters that we have been receiving about the issue of ancestors, ancestral worship, ancestral interaction, etc. So we're going to, I'm telling you right now, I haven't told Candelo this. I'm telling you all. See, this is how this is how we operate shit on on the LMC radio network. Well, I'm, I just announced it on air. By the way, we're gonna try to have him on the show next week as a special guest. He's gonna be the whole show, and he's going to, if he agrees, he'll be here to talk. He'll be professorial since he decided to go and snatch wigs and burn hats. So, so there you go. That's that's that first news. Second news. You know, I said I wasn't going to say anything. I said, don't say anything. I said, dude, don't, don't, don't get on the show. Don't go on there. The, when the mic, when the mic switches on, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't get, get, get thee behind me. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And yet here we are live on the air, and I'm going to do it. Sean Spicer. Spicy! Press Secretary for the Trump Administration. Or, 
Spicy. 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 Look at me. Look at me when I'm fucking talking to you. Look at me. Look. Look. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Are, are you fucking kidding me? Are you? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, are you? Are, are you? Are you out your natural goddamn mind? Are you fucking crazy? Like, I'm a half-assed old college and pirate DJ who now hosts a show on fucking hoodoo on a blog talk radio network, and I could do a better job any day of the week, any hour of the day, any minute of the hour, any second of, are you fucking kidding me? Kiss him, you Yiddish, you put at a visor with a copter, Holocaust Center with a gas. I, you lousy son of a bitch. First of all, whew, sorry, folks. First of all, people say, uh, uh, he misspoke. He misspoke. He didn't fucking misspeak. Uh, uh, he got tongue twisted and tongue tied. Why the fuck is he the press secretary then? It, it, well, well, it was a, it was a gaff. It was a gaff. Ah, you're right. You're right. It was a gaff. And you know why it was a gaff? Check the meaning of a gaff. Because it revealed something that was not supposed to be revealed. It said something that was not supposed to be said. That is still there. That That is an actual gaffe. So he did commit a gaffe. In case you've been living under a rock someplace, or you just didn't give a shit, I don't know. Uh, Sean Spicer, Spicy, I like to call him Spicy, Spicy got up to talk about Assad, which he cannot pronounce. He says Assad, Assam, Assid. He got up talking about Assad, and this lousy son of a bitch, this this guy, I, I, I wouldn't take Sean Spicer to a pig's bris. That's how much I hate this guy. I would be embarrassed to be seen with him at a pig's bris. All right? So this bastard gets up there and says, well, you know, this guy Assad, he's so terrible, he's worse than Hitler, folks. Uh, boom. How much worse is he than Hitler? Why, not even Hitler gassed his own people. And then this piece of garbage person just kept digging. He just kept fucking digging. He dug through the rest of the fucking uh, press conference. Later, he released a statement that he just kept digging. This, this motherfucker doesn't know close his fucking mouth and he just kept digging so let me give you the sum up on it let me just bring it to you as i see it as a jew living in america during passover when this shit was said a german jews apparently were not were not hitler's people so maybe he actually meant that hitler was an austrian 
And so uh, the Austrian Jew, oh, wrong, they got it in the Holocaust too. So, okay. Second of all, um, Hitler didn't use chemical weapons on his people, so his people clear on the Jews. And apparently, when we fucking when we fucking uh, 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 when we fucking put people in, in gas chambers, that's not a chemical weapon. Except then he fucking this son of a bitch rolls around and says, "Oh, it's a battlefield," and all his little fucking palsy while he's come out of the fucking woodwork. Say he meant battlefield, battlefield. He didn't use it on the battlefield. Well, first of all, a Assad dropped fucking chemical weapons in the middle of towns. That's not a battlefield. Second of all, if we're using that fucking slimy, twinkle-toed bastard interpretation of this, uh, let me just remind you that before the the, the, sh- the quote-unquote showers and the concentration camps, uh, the Germans would pile people into the back of fucking trucks and run the fucking exhaust into the back of those fucking closed-up trucks and drive fucking around until everybody in there was fucking killed. So that seems to me to also be happening, you know, in the middle of the fucking town. So so there you go with that. Then the next thing he said is he, he mealy-mouthed his way around some shit about innocent people. Well, you know, not even Hitler. Well, the innocent, the Assad has attacked innocent people. So, so let me just give you once again my takeaway from this. A, German Jews as one particular segment of the... People killed in the Holocaust, not the only Jews and not the only people killed in the Holocaust, were not, in fact, Hitler's, quote, people. The Jew is an other who does not belong, an internalized fucking enemy waiting to be eliminated at any moment in time. B, Zyklon B and carbon monoxide are not chemical weapons, and they don't qualify. C, killing people in... Uh, p- picking up people and putting them in cattle cars and taking them far away and put into border areas and putting them in concentration camps where you work their asses to death or just separate them out and put them in showers and gas them is much more civilized than dropping fucking chemical weapons into the middle of the town. D, the Jews were not innocent. They deserved what was coming for them, and so did the Romani, and so did the gays, and so did the Poles, and so did the Bolsheviks, and so did all the fucking political people, etc. So, so, I've never really said it with as much fucking emphasis, but Spicy, Sean Spicer, Spicer, kiss on me, Yiddish, Turkish, you motherfucker, kiss my ass! And uh, that, if it were just the, that's the tip of the fucking iceberg, because I'm here to report to you from the field that for the first time in a real long time, in a real, real long time, I have spent a lot of time this Passover being come for, being come for from every fucking direction, having to unfriend fucking people, block fucking people, getting in fights out in the streets. Uh, I've been come for this Peshach this Passover because I'm a Jew and it's open fucking season. And let me just tell you, it's been a long fucking time since in, in just my little life. And I'm not that old kitties since uh, Passover has been a danger time. Passover Easter has been a danger time around these here parts for your average Jew like me. Wonder what the fuck Christmas is going to bring. 
But I know what we're about to bring next, and what we're about to bring is our own Phil Patchy Fogg with the news. Take it away, LMC Newsroom. Good evening. Today is Thursday, April 13th, the 103rd day of 2017. There are 69 days until summer begins and 262 days left in the year. The 14th and 15th will be auspicious days to dry fruits and vegetables, cut hair to slow growth, mow to slow growth, castrate farm animals, pick apples and pears, wean, quit smoking, potty train, perform demolition, wash wooden floors, wash windows, start a diet to lose weight, advertise to sell, buy a car, and kill plant pests. Auspicious days indeed. For the 14th to 15th, neither plant nor sow, as these are barren days. The 14th will be fair for evening fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from 1964, when Sidney Poitier became the first black performer in a leading role to win an Academy Award for his performance in Lilies of the Field. Also on this date, in 1743, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, was born in Shadwell in the Virginia colony. In 1861, at the start of the Civil War, Fort Sumner in South Carolina fell to Confederate forces. In 1917, American business tycoon James Diamond Jim Brady, known for his jewelry collection as well as his hearty appetite, died in Atlantic City, New Jersey at age 60. In 1943, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt dedicated the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. on the 200th anniversary of the third American president's birth. In 1953, Casino Royale, Ian Fleming's first book, was as well as the first James Bond novel, was published in London by Jonathan Cape Limited. In 1967, the movie Casino Royale, a star-studded James Bond spoof very loosely placed on the Ian Fleming novel, had its world premiere in London. In 1970, on this date... Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. This is Houston, say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. We've had a main beam plus thunderbolt. Roger, main beam thunderbolt. Okay, stand by at 13. We're looking. While four-fifths of the way to the moon, Apollo 13 was crippled when a tank containing liquid oxygen burst. The crew of three made it back to Earth safely. In 1986, Pope John Paul II visited the Great Synagogue of Rome in the first recorded papal visit of its kind to a Jewish house of worship. In 1992, the Great Chicago Flood 
took place as the city's century-old tunnel system and adjacent basements filled with water from the Chicago River. And finally, in 1997, Tiger Woods, at age 21 years and three and one-half months, became the youngest player to win the Masters Tournament by a record 12 strokes at Augusta National Golf Club. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to movie director Stanley Danon, who is 93, actor Lyle Wagner is 82, actor Edward Fox, 80, actor Paul Sorvino, 78, rhythm and blues singer Lester Chambers is 77, rock musician Jack Cassidy, 73, actor Tony Dow is 72, singer Al Green is 71, actor Ron Perlman, 67, and chess grandmaster Gary Kasparov, 54. Our thought for the day comes from Eudora, excuse me, Eudora Weltley, American author, born this date in 1909, died in 2001, who said, the excursion is the same when you go looking for your sorrow as when you go looking for your joy. This has been the news, read by Philip Fogg, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes. If you make me make you please, haven't seen. Hey, that's mommy. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in you for dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, thank you, the Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and this week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Oh, why not stop on by there and take a look? And they are 17, 25, 33, 36, 40. And 47. Once again, those numbers are 17, 25, 33, 36, 40, and 47. And this continues a now three-week trend of us hitting some very odd numbers. Take it from me. If you don't trust me, ask someone else who knows a thing or two about the calculation of lucky numbers. Ask, ask Miss Cat. Ask someone. I, th- we have had three weeks of unusual sets of numbers, and this third week here is following suit. So I must tell you that these numbers this week are going to grow as the week goes on. Throughout the weekend, they will still be lucky, but starting around Sunday evening, they're going to start to step up a bit. Then they will step up again on Tuesday evening, and then they will ride high all the way through the coming Thursday. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 172, 
That's 172. 333. That's 333. And 467. That's 467. And these numbers are a little off as well, meaning they are reflections of the other numbers. And I have to tell you that all of these numbers together, these are very unusual numbers, and they are numbers that I would expect to see larger than average winnings on small investments come from. The card of the week is the five of clubs, a job of work, a wealth of work. This upcoming week is going to be dominated by work and projects. Now is the time to get all those projects that you have put off started. This is also an excellent week for magic and to start up spells and work that takes some minding. So if you have any particular magical or spiritual work that that work needs to be watched or minded, this is the week to start it. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and the card when they first come out. And if you hit... <laughs> Remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own Miss Loretta with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Miss Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another. She doesn't really mean yogurt. No, I mean yogurt. 
So here's your ingredients. You're going to need eight cups. That's a half a gallon of whole milk. Pasteurized and homogenized milk is fine, but please do not use ultra pasteurized milk. If you do, it's not going to work and you're not going to end up with yogurt. You're going to end up with a big old mess. You're also going to need one half a cup of store-bought natural live slash active culture plain yogurt. And you need to have this as a starter. But once you've made your own yogurt, you can use that as a starter instead. And then if you would like, you can also have ready at hand some sort of um, frozen or fresh fruit that we're going to use for flavoring. You don't have to have that, though. Not everyone likes fruit in their yogurt. If you also want, you can include a little a little bit of vanilla extract if you want your yogurt to have a, a little vanilla flavor. Me, I just like plain yogurt, so I don't add any of that stuff in. But if you want to, and particularly if you have kids, please consider that. So the directions for this, again, this is going to take a while. And so I would suggest that you make yogurt on a weekend day when you're at home to monitor it. This is not going to be something that you want to do, you know, while you're at work and you can come back. Most of our crock pot recipes are, but this one you want to keep an eye on. I like to use a four crock, excuse me, a four quart crock pot for this. And so you're going to plug your crock pot in and turn it to low and add the entire half gallon of milk. And then you will cover and cook that on low for two and a half hours. That's right, two and a half hours. After that period of time, unplug your crock pot, leave the cover on, and let it sit without opening it. For three hours. Don't be going in and lifting the lid and lifting the lid. Uh-uh. No, it will not work out. When three hours have passed, scoop out two cups of the warmish milk and put them into a bowl. And I like to use a metal bowl for this. Then you're going to whisk into that your half a cup of store-bought live active culture yogurt and then dump it all back into the crock pot and stir it up to combine it. Now, once that's done, put the lid back on on your crock pot, keeping it unplugged, and wrap a heavy bath towel all the way around the crock pot for insulation. And you should be used to this now. We've already talked about using beach towels and bath towels to hold in our heat in our crock pot. Wrap it up real good, keep all that heat in, and then let it sit for eight hours. That's right, eight hours. After eight hours, the yogurt will have thickened. Now, it's not as thick as store-bought yogurt, but it has the consistency of low-fat plain yogurt. 
Okay? And then you've got it right there. That's it. Now, after that, you can blend in batches of your favorite fruit or granola or whatever and then chill it in plastic containers in your refrigerator and your fresh yogurt will last 7 to 10 days. But you want to remember to save a half a cup out as a starter for your next batch. And then you don't ever need to buy those again. And some of you all who have made sourdough bread or other things like that where you have to keep a part out so you can make again from, this is the same thing. You were just going to buy yogurt once so you can have that first half cup. And then after that, you're going to save out your half cup and you'll add it in. And so you never have to buy yogurt again. You just buy, you just buy your milk. And there you go. You can make yogurt in a crock pot in your own home. Takes about, oh, takes about 13 hours or so, but you can do that for yourself. It's an incredible savings, and after you've done it a couple of times, you'll start to be able to meddle with the consistency if you want a little thicksy yogurt. I have to tell y'all that when I started to do this recipe, I brought yogurt in to our little our little green room here, our little rec room here for everybody at the show to have, and I was very surprised when Professor Porterfield told me that his wife made yogurt. And I had not had the pleasure yet of meeting Christy Porterfield, and I got to meet her this week, and we had a hoot. And she doesn't use the crock pot. She does it all on the stove. But we traded yogurt recipes, and she looked over this, and I looked over hers, and we approved of each other's. So give it a try. Seriously, there are little things that people like that sometimes are very expensive, like bread and like yogurt and other little things that without too much effort in your life, you can make it yourself, save money, feed your little kids, feed yourself, feed your husband, feed your wife, and have a great time. So I hope you'll try this at home and write me a letter and let me know how it works out. So that's all from me, and now we're going to turn you back over to Professor Porterfield and his pontification. Bye-bye. Thank you, Miss Loretta, and uh, it's true. Uh, my wife, Christy, uh, <clears throat> or as uh, people at the uh, Kudu Heritage Festival call her, Mrs. Professor Porterfield, uh, does in fact make yogurt, and it's delicious, and you totally can do it. So don't be afraid. We have eaten a lot of homemade yogurt in this house. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week's topic, put it on paper. Child is white. The 
Before I announce the winner, I'm going to announce the, the giveaway. Uh, uh, this week, uh, we're giving away uh, squares of matzah uh, uh, dipped in dark chocolate. So there you go. It's not much of a treat, uh, but but it's what we've got. So there, there, oh, I wish I had something else. I wish I had cake or cookies. <laughs> oh, God, this lousy matzah. Okay. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. So, yeah, we're giving away matzah, squares of matzah dipped. And these are good-sized squares, too, because we've got to move this shit, okay? We've got to get this the hell out of here, okay? Because I've got, like, about 
25 pounds of it in the place. Okay, so we've got squares of matzah dipped in chocolate. Candelo Cambisa just said in the chat room that he loves matzah, and that is proof that he is not a Jew. You can always tell. Anyway, that being said, yeah, I don't even know where the Afrikoman Afrikoman is. Don't even ask about that. That's a nightmare. I've got four-year-olds. Don't even ask about where the Afrikoman is. But so one square of matzah dipped in dark chocolate goes to Troll Talhead, who was the first to identify was Three Dog Night. Uh, that was, in fact, Three Dog Night. Nobody, nobody got the the song. The song is simply called Black and White. The song is just black and white. The song is just black and white. And yes, Catherine, many Jews do like matzah. A lot of us do on on day two and day three and then around day seven. Anyway, yeah, okay, okay. Matzah breathe is delicious. Yes. Uh, I, that's a given, but you you you, you got to know what I'm talking about here, Cat. When I'm talking about there, like, oh, I love it. you know, and you're always like, what, you know, and you gotta. Anyway, now tonight's pontification is, as you might have heard on the street from your hooligan friends, interesting story. This relates back to an anecdote that Tata Candelo can be so told. On, on Candelo's Corner. So to hear that, go back into the archives and listen to this week's Candelo's Corner. It's called Candelo Gets Petty. So put it down on paper. As you know, last week we began a new series of pontifications, as we do from time to time. And this series of pontifications is going to be about issues that primarily relate to how the Buddhist fits in to a community uh, and how they, you know, how we operate within uh, the place of uh, our communities, other communities, etc., etc., and our families. What about our kids? All of those sort of things. Because we've really talked all about all this professional stuff and all the people you kind of got to w- watch out for. So there, now we're starting to stretch off into this area, and uh, I want to say hello. To Stefani, Stefani uh, wrote to us this week to say thank you uh, for our talk about where do root workers fit in. Uh, she works in a neo-pagan shop in Western North Carolina, and uh, she sometimes finds herself isolated. So she wanted to thank us for the podcast and uh, say amen. Well, thank you so much, uh, Stefana, for the. I'm, I'm sure I'm messing up your name and I apologize for your lovely letter we love getting letters we love it we love getting letters so tonight's topic without further ado said Professor Charles without further ado Porterfield is as you heard put it on paper let me tell you a little story the little story goes something like this once every so often, it's not always the same amount of time, so as you know, pendulums will begin to swing at uh, a, a variety of speeds given other conditions that may express themselves upon the pendulum. But every so often, 
every so often, somebody stands up and declares that hoodoo is dead. There are a few people who like to get up and say, hoodoo's dying, it's dying. But mostly they like to come out in white lab coats with stethoscopes around their neck. Uh, and to dramatic music, um, bum, bum, madam, and say, Mr. and Mrs. America, I'm sorry to tell you, but hoodoo is dead. We did everything we could to save it. We tried to make a buck off it as best we could, and then it just died, and we're sorry. But we want you to know that at the moment that hoodoo died, a revival of Etruscan witchcraft was born in our delivery center here, and so there's still hope in the world for for getting money off of people. And so they, they come in and they go, Hooter is dead! And then sometimes they like to say, well, it didn't just die now. It died 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. And what it boils down to is this. People have a favorite part of time. People, you know, oh, oh I like this, and oh, oh, I love that, and I, and we're all guilty of it, man. We're all guilty of it. Even I'm guilty of it, you know. Like, I dig a certain kind of art and a certain kind of music and a certain kind of style and a certain kind of movie, and that time has passed, okay? But what I don't do is come in and say that art and style and movies are dead, although I'm not too sure about major Hollywood movies, but eh, whatever. And so people say, oh, Hoodoo died, and it died here and there and wherever. Now, here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is Hoodoo's not fucking dead. Hoodoo's not dead. I mean, seriously, Hoodoo is not dead. Hoodoo jolts and jives and jumps and is still alive to this very day. You may not see it because you may not be interacting with the people that are doing it. And these people, you know, they're out there, man, okay? And they're not all, quote, not on the Internet. Some of them are on the Internet, man. Some of them know how to use computers and phones and rotary plows and internal combustion engines, you know? I mean, let's get off that fucking trip of trying to fucking say, oh, you know, a lack of technology and a lack of education and a lack of this somehow makes something more authentic. It doesn't. It's just sad, all right? If you say, uh, there's this root worker, and he doesn't even have a telephone, that doesn't make that doesn't mean, wow, he's a real root worker. He doesn't even have a telephone. It, it probably actually means that fucking sucks for that dude because he doesn't have a telephone for some reason. All right? You know, like in the middle of the night, if he has a heart attack, uh, Hoodoo's going to be dead. So Hoodoo is alive, but there is a factor that keeps coming up. There is a sickness, if you will, that hoodoo suffers from. And it is a sickness that hoodoo catches regularly and shakes off, but it's a chronic condition. I'm afraid to tell you that hoodoo has come down with a chronic condition. And this chronic condition exists for a lot of different reasons, like any chronic condition. You know, I mean, like, maybe it's not just that you're not eating well. You might also be eating badly and getting no exercise and need mineral and, you know, whatever, right? There's a complex series of things that go together to create any ongoing chronic condition. Now, did you see what I just did there? I just made everybody 
uh, that 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 has any sort of editing experience and any sort of linguistic experience and any sort of, of trade with the English language cringe because I said ongoing chronic. So the point is <clears throat> this condition, what is it? Well, it is a failure to pass on. It is a failure to pass on. So what happens is, I've got it in my own family, by the way. So what happens is you've got, let's say, mom or pop. And let's say mom or pop knows hoodoo. They do hoodoo. Whether they do it simply for themselves, because we've talked about that, or they are a professional worker, they work for other people for money, or at least for some sort of recompense, some sort of payment. And mom and pop do this. And then amongst the kids of mom and pop, uh, let's say there are four kids. Let's say there are two sons and two daughters. And what you find is that at least three out of four of those kids could give a fuck. All right? They don't care. And they don't care for a variety of reasons. It's superstition. It makes us look bad. It's that old-timey bullshit. All right. It's 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 antiquated. It's out of step. It's foolish. It's just ridiculous. I don't have time. I'm not interested. I want to do something else. And then if you're lucky, there's one kid, normally the youngest daughter, and she wants to do it. All right. But by now, mom and dad have had three kids worth of so they're not all excited to try to pass it on, and it can be hard getting them out of them, or grandma and grandpa, or auntie, or uncle, or whoever, all right? And so it fails to get passed on. Now, then sometimes grandkids come along and they want it, but sometimes that can be too late because the source can already be dead. Inevitably, people start looking around for it, and they get Grandmama's Bible or Grandpa's Bible or Mom and Pop's Bible or Uncle Henry's Bible or Auntie's Bible, and they start going through it, and they find little notations here and there. And some of them look like, you know, the sort of thing from Bible study, from Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, oh, come on. I'm the only one that knows about Wednesday night Bible study. What, people have never even been to the South? Um so Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights is men's group, and then, uh, you know, whatever promise keepers. Oh, oh, it's like they're they're just in the joint. They're they're in there more than Jews are in the synagogue. Uh, that's a little Jewish joke of daily prayer, anyway. And it's difficult sometimes to separate out what's Bible study and what's conjure per se. And then another thing happens. The other thing happens is that even when it's kept alive and passed along, it ends up being limited, meaning it ends up being only within one family. And it then takes on the role and essence of a family tradition. This is problematic for a couple of reasons. First of all, people misidentify it. They think of it as a family tradition. And because it's just a family tradition, it's just something their family did – they think either A, 
their family is weird and unusual, so they don't want to talk about it, right? They don't want to embarrass themselves amongst their contemporaries and in the in their society, or they take it for granted that not everyone does this, and so they think everyone does this, and so once again, it's nothing to talk about. But see how both of those end up with the same thing. It doesn't get talked about, and that's a problem. And so this then breeds other problems. Because people think of it as a family tradition, they sometimes dress it up, and they're ready to get – they're ready to to throw down. Froggy is ready to jump. Because it's a family tradition, and therefore it is important, and it's a part of your life, and it's a part of honoring your family, which, you know, I would hope everybody can do. Not everybody should do, because some of us have had shitty families out there. But you know what I'm saying. You, you Most people love their families. People get real hot under the collar about their family tradition. They start getting up on soapboxes and saying that their family traditions are absolutely right, not unique. My grandmother did this, and that's the only way to do it. My great-grandma did this, and that's the only way to do it. Well, listen up, pal. My great-grandmother ran a boarding house. No, this is true. I'm not making this up. My great-grandmother ran a boarding house, and my great-grandmother had a particular floor wash to wash that boarding house with that to draw customers into her boarding house. And I'm here to tell you, it's not the only way to do it. It's just not. It's not. My granda had a way to do this, and God bless her. I'm sure it worked like a fucking charm, but it's not the only way. But people start to get real hot under the collar about their family traditions. Then, because other people may have not kept their family traditions together, people who have family traditions start to say that their family traditions are not only the only way, but the correct way, the true way, and all other ways are false. I'm sorry. That's a little odd. I mean, like, you know, this is how your grandmother cooked this meal, and this is how my grandmother cooked this meal, and and that's that. You know, I mean, and that's that. You see what I'm saying? I mean, seriously. You're going to actually stand up and say, your grandma's way is right, my grandma's way is wrong. Okay, cool. So, again, this leads into this chronic condition that hoodoo suffers from, which is the absence of information being passed along. Let's talk about another set of individuals in this. We have people who quite legitimately, in a completely honest manner, completely honest, ethical, and above board, make money through the formulation, production, and selling of hoodoo and conjure products. I mean other than the actual roots, right? I mean, you know, come on. I mean, a root is a root. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you can fake somebody out and 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 lie and say, oh, this is this is this is a licorice root, and it's not licorice root. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pre-made things that require a recipe. Talking about grandmothers cooking, all right. And some of these people 
let's just be very clear about this. Coca-Cola is not going to tell you what's in Coca-Cola. Okay? I mean, Coca-Cola is going to tell you what's in it as required by the FDA, but they're not going to say these are the proportions. This is how you make Coca-Cola. And you can make it in your own garage for pennies. I mean, you know, no one's going to, no one's going to do that. It's their goddamn recipe. Coca-Cola has a right to keep the recipe for Coca-Cola fucking secret. Okay? Now, that being said, let me be very clear about this. Coca-Cola also has the recipe for Coca-Cola in a fucking safe, okay, in a goddamn safe. And you notice that Coca-Cola has been around for a while, and no one's lost the goddamn fucking recipe. See what I'm saying? Like, there's no worry here, kids. Coke is not going to lose the recipe for Coca-Cola. There will be Coca-Cola tomorrow. But there are some spiritual manufacturers who don't operate their businesses in a professional you know, manner. I'm not talking about an ethical manner. I mean a professional manner. And so they've got the recipe in their head for what the fuck ever. Name the goddamn product that you love and you need and you buy. And the minute they die, because <laughs> wants it, no business partner, it's gone. Poof, it's not in a safe. Now, let me be pl- very, very plain and clear here again. I'm not suggesting that manufacturers need to open up their recipes and pass them around like free candy. What I'm saying is some manufacturers have not kept their recipes. They knew their recipes or they had their recipes written down someplace. All right. But it hasn't gotten passed on. It's lost. That means some other person who's got a good nose, got a good eye and has a good brain has to come in and hopefully reproduce it. And they're probably never going to reproduce it perfectly. They can get real, real close. So what happens? We end up with all these fucking arguments about uh, brown oil or wick oil or special oil number 20, where group A says, oh, it shouldn't smell like, and group B says, oh, it smells like, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. And they're not, you know, and these people buying it. And they're not accounting for the fact that the receptors in their nose may pick out X, Y, or Z scent more than X, Y, or Z scent, or because of the experience of using the goddamn product, it left a memory, which is associated with smell on them. And so they're hyper fixating on anything. So now they're going to get up and start talking shit about some other manufacturer's wick oil or brown oil saying it's not real because I remember what it's well shut the fuck up and make your own goddamn fucking wick oil then you know I mean seriously so even this happens even amongst manufacturers this isn't just limited to little families and you would think you would think no manufacturer in the world would let this happen right it's all going to be written down and it goes in a fucking safe and it's kept safe and then it goes to the business partner, it goes to the kid, or it goes... But no, that's not true. And here's another problem. There are other manufacturers who are not as ethical. Who are not as ethical, who sometimes just want to buy up a name brand. 
They just want somebody else's reputation. So they're happy to buy the reputation, the name of the worker, the name of the person who compounded the original recipes, but they're actually going to bottle fucking colored water that smells like root beer. And that's all the fuck they give a shit about is cheating. Okay? So there's another problem. They've got the recipes. They've got them. They're all written down someplace, moldering, rotting on some fucking shelf. All right? But at least let us give credit to the people who wrote it down. They at least tried. They they couldn't help it that some disingenuous bastard came in, bought it just for the name, and then fucked over the actual process. Professional workers. And professional workers, again, just like manufacturers, often jealously guard their recipes and their work. Not just their recipes, but their, their tricks. They're, they're the actual spell work that they do. They guard it. Except they come from families, and if they don't pass it down, then we're back to the same situation. All right? So let's now look at the chronic disease, the chronic condition that hoodoo suffers from. It's not written down. In fact, I know workers. Eh, let me back up off of that a minute. In fact, I know loudmouth sons of bitches who like to play at being workers. Candela knows a couple people I'm talking about. Who like to say that if it's written down, it's not real. I know loudmouth, egotistical, megalomaniacal, control freak assholes. Miss Cat knows a couple people I'm talking about. Who like to say that if it's not written down by their hand, then it's not real. At the I know people that tell you that if you write it down, if you write it down, it loses its power. Now let's address that one real quick. Uh oh. You just exhibited that your information's coming from something that's not part of original hoodoo. Meaning that we see this tradition in Swedish folk magic, where, you know, if you pass a certain magic, we see it in some Mexican folk magic. There are lots of different cultures that say, if I teach you a thing, then I can no longer do it. But hoodoo isn't one of those. Hoodoo's not like that. Now, somebody someplace is going to argue, yes, it is! He's wrong! And I'm the only one that remembers, and I've never taught nobody nothing! So come to me and pay $500 for my new supercharged Triple action, seven-day, six-way, reversible love and cursing candle. And some folk, because they don't know no goddamn better, will gather up their hard-earned money and go buy that goddamn lousy product. You want to talk about hoodoo in terms of community? You want to talk about hoodoo in terms of how we fit our families, our kids, how it goes on, put it down on paper. Thou comes from the dust, and thou goest to the dust, Caesar. 
no matter how mighty you are, no matter how potent you are, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how knowledgeable you are, no matter how good or how crooked you are, we all end up at the same gate waiting on the same train. All right. Put it down on paper. Maybe your kids won't give a shit, but your grandkids might. And if it's put down on paper, they'll be able to find it. Maybe your grandkids won't give a shit, but your cousins' babies will. Your nieces and your nephews may. Put it down on paper and preserve it. Now, what about the new worker? What about the young worker coming in? You ain't never done none of this before. Maybe there are two or three things in your family. Grandma did something, this, that, the other. They ain't got lost. You remember it, but not real well, and she's dead, and she ain't answering. Okay? She ain't, she ain't, even, telling, she ain't even telling Candela Cambisa how the fuck she put a recipe together. All right? It's done. She's gone. All right. So now you start to have to learn in earnest. You have to learn in earnest. All right. As you learn, put it down on paper. Don't just keep it in your head for yourself. Okay? Don't caught up in this bullshit European magical tradition of overt secrecy. What the fuck is overt secrecy good to common people? Overt secrecy empowers the worker in so much as it makes the Wizard of Oz. Ignore that man behind the curtain. Bring me the witches. Don't get caught up in what TV tells you magic is supposed to be. The learning of magic. Don't get caught up in what media tells you. Put it down on paper. If only for yourself, so you can go back and read it. How many of you are practicing hoodoo? A tradition that teaches the importance of one's connection to dreams, and you don't write your own goddamn dreams now. What the fuck use is a goddamn dream book to you? Well, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't bet. So uh, that's the only use for a dream book is betting? Really? That's the only use? What the use is any of that to you? You don't even write your own dreams down. Well, I don't remember my dreams. Yeah, of course you don't remember your dreams because you don't write them the fuck down. Every once in a while, every once in a goddamn while, you're going to get up to go pee. And when you get up to go pee, you're going to be sitting on that toilet or standing in front of that toilet thinking, man, what the fuck was that? A guy that was trying to sell me a cow? And the cow was eating, was the cow eating a turnip? And the turnip was trying to tell me something about, I don't even Okay, take a few moments and write it down. Well, then I'd be up all the rest of the night. No, eventually you'll train yourself. Okay? Do anything. There are all sorts of little tricks. Start writing your dreams down. Am I telling you to keep a dedicated dream journal that you don't have to religiously get? No, I'm saying at least start. You do in hoodoo. Hoodoo talks about the importance of dreams. Talks about how it's talked about in the Bible. Uses it through dream books. Talks about connection to ancestors. Talks about connections to the ministering angels. And you ain't even writing your dreams down. For yourself. Like, back the bus up a minute.
forget about the kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids who are going to live in 2057 and 2072. No, let's talk just about you. Some of you, not all of you, some of you ain't even writing this shit down for yourself. People say to me, "Oh, Professor Porterfield, you're such, you're wonderful. I love you. You're, you're, you're so intelligent, and you're so smart, and you're so this, and you're so that, and I'm the better man. Oh, you've taught me so much." And then I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm glad because I put Professor in front of my stupid name. So, you know, there you go. I didn't, I didn't put, you know, whatever else, conductor. I wasn't trying to get you to hoodoo on time. I'm glad that I taught you something. But you all think I'm." something special above and beyond, and if only. People, oh, if only I could like Professor Porterfield. Sucker, you can. First of all, Professor Porterfield locked his ass up for almost five fucking years studying every bit of hoodoo he could from every source, living, dead, written, recorded, filmed, you fucking name it, clay tablet, that he could find. So why don't you have, so you want to be like Professor Porterfield? Show some fucking dedication to it. Second of all, Professor Porterfield writes every goddamn thing down he can so he doesn't forget it because he got these two little fucking grandbabies who think they're dinosaurs nine-tenths of the day so they can have it someday when they decide they're humans and not dinosaurs or crocodiles or lions or robots or whatever the hell they are right the fuck down. People say, your books are so valuable. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But where do you think a book like that comes from? What do you think we just pull it out, pull it, pull it out of my ass? We work hard to make these books. That's writing it down. Why? To make a quick buck? Come on, baby. No, that ain't about it. It's so it lives, so it goes on. Yeah, it's paper. Yeah, paper rots. Trust me, nobody knows better how paper rots than the guy who has, for some reason, made himself. The, the 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 go-to fellow about playing cards. I know all about how fucking paper rots. But put it down. Listen, my grandsons can decide in 25 years from now, when they're both 29 because they're twins, they can decide. You know what? The old man, old Zadie, that's what they call me. Zadie, he was on to something. I wish I knew about it, and I know that right now, if I were to die tonight, that at least there would be three books with Zadie's name on the cover that they could go, look, Zadie left me something. Look, he, look, I'm even mentioning the dedication. There would be shelves of other books that they could go, oh, look, these are all Zadie's books. They could find my notebooks, and they could go, look, this is Zadie's notebook. Look, here's his recipe. Look, here's his notes on Henry Henry's grass oil and why it's a little bit better in some cases and not much better than Van Van. Now, some of the people in the chat room and some of the people that are going to be listening to this know about the relationship between Henry grass oil and Van Van, but some of you don't. Some of you have never heard of Henry's grass oil till this moment. Some of you think I'm making it the fuck up. Some of you think I'm appropriating it. Some of you think I'm stealing it. Some of you think I'm a blind idiot. Some of you think I'm wise as can be. And ain't none of that got nothing to do with Henry's fucking grass oil. 
did you know about Henry's grass oil? Go find out. Go find out. Maybe you want to use Henry's grass oil. It's not that hard to put together. Quote, unquote, Henry did a real good job of leaving that one the fuck around. Why don't you do just as good a job? Put it down on paper. Thou comes from the dust and thou goes to the dust, Caesar. The money may be good today. The honeys may be sweet in the sack. The food may look good on the table. The sun may shine and the birds may sing. But someday you're going to end up on the same goddamn train as everybody else. And that's the train that goes right past the cemetery yourself why you're not writing it down at least for yourself write it down at least for yourself if for no other lock it up lock it up get your fancy ass safe and lock it up you feel real big and important look how big my safe is my safe's bigger than yours my safe fills with organ at the end of the night but william wright certified safe I have to masturbate next to it every six to eight weeks so the organ will replenish itself. It is it's filled with neon so that none of it will none of it will rot. But at least do it for you. If you won't do it for you, what the fuck use are you even to yourself? And maybe you should be then thinking about doing it for your kids and your grandkids. I'll have kids, I'm never gonna have kids. Okay, well what about your brother? Does your brother have kids or your sister have kids? I don't have a brother and a sister, and they don't have kids. There's nobody but me. I'm the whole kid and caboodle. I don't give a shit about anybody else in the world but me. You should get the fuck out of goddamn hoodoo. Right tonight. Right fucking night. Why? Because you don't have any relatives? No, because you just said you didn't give a shit about anybody else but you. That that makes you ill-equipped to be a practitioner of hoodoo. You're a danger. Do it for somebody. Pick somebody. Why not get yourself a goddamn pen pal and send your pen pal some of your shit and have them send you and it could be a letter for letter. Then someday that'll be published by somebody and it'll be this great oh the hoodoo letters between between two thousand between two thousand seventeen, the summer of two thousand seventeen and the summer of two thousand uh, uh, two thousand thirty. These two people wrote to each other it'll be it'll be fucking seventy nine ninety five and there'll be eight hundred plus fucking double side oversized pages where they'll have a glossy cover. It'll be a limited release. I mean, seriously, at least do something for yourself. Consider putting it down on paper. Because if you're into hoodoo and you don't have a family tradition, you know how hard it is to find this information. And if you do have a hoodoo tradition within your own family and you have enough sense to know that your family did not know every goddamn thing there is about hoodoo all over this country, then you realize how hard it is to find things that aren't just your family tradition and to hear other voices. So be a voice and put it down. Not doing some mamby-pamby neo-pagan book of shadows crap. No. I'm just talking about writing something down. 
man, if you really want to get into it, real fucking, you know, it has to be a book of wisdom. It has to be a book of truth. It has to be a book of, I guess you can make it be a book of anything, baby. Make it be a book of wisdom. Make it be a book of truth. Hell, make it be a book of love. I wonder, wonder who, 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 who wrote the book of
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rook Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candelo Cambisa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7, the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towerhead, for that update of our shows here on the LMC Radio Network each and every week. And now on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Kai Armand and Paige Zyphor are there on Sacred Ground. Up next, the What We Do segment of the show. This week we're going to be talking about religions, meaning other religions and religions and how religions interact, relate to, and are a part of hoodoo. You know, anything you need, any kind of religion you need. If you need a, if you need an inflatable Ganesh, if you need a, if you need a, a, a oh, I don't know, if you need a, a, a call service Moses, if you need, a, if you need an all cheddar cheese Joshua. Anything, anything, even if you need a personal Jesus. Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers. Someone who cares Your own Personal Jesus Someone to hear your prayers Someone who's there Feeling unknown and you're all alone Flesh and bone by the telephone Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer Take second best, put me to the test Things on your chest, you need to confess I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver Reach out and touch face Reach out and touch face Your own personal Jesus Someone to hear your prayers Someone who cares Your own Personal Jesus Someone to hear your prayers Someone to care
feeling unknown and you're all alone Flesh and bone by the telephone Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer I will deliver, you know I'm a forgiver Reach out and touch faith 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 First of all, one lovely square of dark chocolate dipped matzo goes to Troll Towelhead, who was the first to identify that it's Johnny Cash. Two pieces of chocolate dipped matzo go to Catherine Ironwood, who correctly identified that the song is Personal Jesus. By Johnny Cash. And then a very special extra star award winning piece of matzah dipped in dark chocolate to Papa Newt, who was the only one to correctly identify that it was Johnny Cash's personal Jesus. That's a cover of the original song by Depeche Mode. So there you go. And welcome. Our show. We're coming to an end of this portion. I don't think it'll be around for many more weeks. It certainly won't be around next week because next week we have a special guest in. But before we leave, I want to talk about this topic because it's kind of a hot topic because people get confused about something being something and something interacting with something else. All right? So, let's let's cover the difference between between being something, let's say that again, being something and interacting with something, right? The difference between being and interacting, being and taking from, being and participating in, being Etc. All right. So let's cover this once for everyone in the back. All right. Hoodoo is not. Let's just start at the top. An African traditional religion. It's not Voodoo. It's not West African Voodoo. It's not Cambole. It's not Palo. It's not Ifa. It's not Santeria. It's not Obeya. It's not Kimbanda. It's also not. Neo-paganism. It's also not Satanism. It's also not just a a folk magic. In other words, it's not Appalachian, French, or Scotch-Irish folk magic. 
it has no initiatory rituals, and therefore there's no hierarchy. There's no internal hierarchy. It doesn't have an idea of karma, and it's not a just do as you please or as you will practice. It's not those things. It's not chaos magic either. It's also not Solomonic magic either. All right? It is African-American folk magic made up of African magical practices added to with Protestant Christianity, Native American herb lore, European, Jewish, Asian, and spiritualist ideas and customs, including herbs, roots, oils, washes, waters, insects, candles, small bags, known as mojos, jomos, or tobies, etc. Now, why do I say all that? Because we're going to talk about religions, and I don't want you to get confused. Hoodoo does operate with, has made room for, has incorporated, and has works that operate along with African and African diasporic ancestral traditions, Orishas, Loas, Kemetic deities. All right. Equally, it has, works alongside, and has incorporated deeply parts of Judaism and working with traditional Jewish figures, Jewish use of psalms, Jewish biblical figures, Jewish practices, Jewish paraphernalia, including but not limited to shofars, menorahs, yads, mezuzahs, etc. Certainly, it obviously operates within Christianity because it is primarily a Christian practice that is on a dividing line. One side of that line, which is the larger segment, the lion's share of the area, is Protestant Christianity, primarily centered around a variety of different denominations, not limited to, but including Anabaptists, Primitive Baptists, etc. But the other side of that divide is Catholicism. And again, where we see use of folk saints, etc. So, within that, though, it has taken use of folk saints, angels, archangels, the book of Psalms, Catholic folk saints as opposed to other folk saints, Catholic Church saints, the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, God the High, Most Holy, the Holy Trinity, Protestant traditions, Orthodox traditions, Catholic traditions, and again, general Christian traditions. But wait, there's more. It also has made room for, incorporated with, and worked with, and had tricks laid towards Islamic traditions, including the use of Islamic spiritual figures. Angels and archangels, jinn, etc. Passages from the Quran. But also it has operated within the spiritualist tradition and deals with the dead, the graveyard, spirit mediumship, ancestors, spirit guides. Also within the new thought tradition and affirmative prayer and new thought itself, but also the Hindu tradition operating with Hindu 
deities, devas and divas, including and often seen Ganesh, also within the Taoist tradition, working with Taoist deities, within the Native American traditions, these religions, operating with Native American deities, and Buddhist traditions, operating with Buddha, Shinto traditions, operating with Shinto forces, and then most recently, newest kid on the block, neo-pagan traditions, working with neo-pagan deities, traditions, etc., and interpretations or reinterpretations of what a witch means. This list could go on and on and on and on and on. Why? Because hoodoo is adaptive. And hoodoo operates under, well, let me stop for a minute. I'm about to express an opinion. I am about to express an opinion. As you know, I try to stick to facts, and when I get off into opinions, I try to let you know this is an opinion, as opposed to Henry's grass oil. Henry's grass oil is a goddamn fact to say here's an opinion. And I'm going to express it in a way that I don't like, in a language that I don't care for, which is a kind of anthropological kind of language, which I I don't like that, but here we are. Ready? Hoodoo operates under the law of pragmatism. Hoodoo operates under a pragmatic model. What do I mean by that? I mean by that that hoodoo says, if that works, it must be true. And if it works for you, it probably, more than likely, can work for me. And what's good for you is probably good for me. And therefore, when I encounter you, no matter who you are, no matter what tradition you come from, no matter what religion you come from, no matter what culture you come from, I'm going to observe what you do. And if it works for you, it should work for me. If it's lucky for you, it's probably lucky for me. If it's unlucky for you, it might be unlucky for me. But I'm going to at least consider it. If it's dangerous for you, it's probably dangerous for me. If it's beneficial to your prosperity, it's probably beneficial to my prosperity. And so you start seeing a lot of things get added into hoodoo. Now, before we go another step forward, there's going to be some wag out there at some point in time who's going to say, first of all, this is going to be a person of very light complexion. This is going to be a white person who's going to sit back and with a smug look say, so in other words, you're saying that hoodoo's appropriative. Hoodoo appropriates. I thought we weren't supposed to appropriate. Hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. These are the same sort of cocksuckers who say shit like, you know, Donald Trump's one of the greatest men since uh, Martin Luther King, and Martin Luther King uh, this, and Martin Luther King that. And, you know, I mean, these are people who will jump in your face and say, well, it can't be anti Semitism because the Semites aren't just the Jews. And therefore, since it's not against other Semitic people, it's not anti-Semitism. <laughs> These are the same cocksuckers who go, "It's it's not Islamophobia. We're not we're not pathologically afraid of them. It's not it's not. I, I'm not. I'm 
dinners and they have to burn in hell. Okay? There's always some cocksucker who's waiting to fucking try to play the little game on it. All right? And I get into a big discussion about language and history to try to prove my point, but it would be, you know, uh, reinventing the wheel. Let me just say that people like that normally speak out of a position of ignorance. And I'll give you one example. It is generally accepted that when one sees the word anti-Semitism without a hyphen, that means the term created in Germany by German quote-unquote <coughs> social scientists to replace the old Judenhaus or Jew hatred, meaning it is a term meant specifically for Jews, but that when one sees it with a hyphen, then one could say that maybe we mean that we're against Semitic people. All right? The point being that, again, no, that's not what hoodoo is. Hoodoo is adaptive. Hoodoo was left without all its parts, and so it went to find other parts. And as it finds these other parts, such as the roots of Africa are gone, I have to know these new roots. Oh, look, here are these first tribe, these Native Americans. They will give me – oh, I, I, oh, I see now what that root does. Thank you. And along the way, they do the same thing with Jewish people, with Asiatic people, with people from the Indian subcontinent, people who practice Shinto, people who are Buddhist, people who are Islamic, people who are Catholic if they're from a non-Catholic area, people that are Protestant if they're from a Catholic area, etc., etc., etc. So all of this and more is a part of hoodoo. Hoodoo is not a religion, but it takes from all of these. Let me give you a few examples. Hell notes, hell money, you see it in Hunu. Ganesh, you see Ganesh in Hudu. Buddha, you see Buddha in Hudu. Now, again, there's always some wag who that's their point. That's their crossing line. That's the hill they've decided to die on where they say, and that's when Hudu died. When Hudu got Ganesh, it died. When Hoodoo start paying homage to Buddha, it died. When Hoodoo start having hell money, it died. When Hoodoo started using sutras from the Koran, or all them evil Islamic folks, that's when it died. When Hoodoo wasn't whatever the fuck it was that I'm selling out of my shop available what right now at 1-800-GIVE-ME-YOUR-MONEY. Just type it in and I'll be there. It died. But it didn't die. In fact, it became stronger. Because hoodoo is a little piece of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that all put together. Now, right about now, I know that some of you are expecting me to break into a rendition from Flower Drum Song of Chop Suey. But I'm not going to, except to say that it is something quintessentially American, like the gumbo pot, like the chop suey, like jazz, like comic books. Something here made up of a lot of different parts from a lot of different people, including a lot of different religious traditions. Am I therefore telling you that no matter what your religious tradition is, you should run out and practice hoodoo and add your religion to it? Eh, ox mix. 
Not so much. Again, remember, hoodoo exists as having a Christian basis, whether that's Protestant or Catholic. You're going to have to get with that. You're going to have to deal with that. You're not going to be able to just replace it all out. All right? You can try, but you're really reinventing the wheel. And at the end of the day, you may be doing something very potent, very meaningful, and very good, but it's not hoodoo. If you want to do hoodoo, do hoodoo. That doesn't mean you've got to convert. Look at me. So there you are. Once again, you wanted to join Hoodoo. Hoodoo didn't want to join you. Didn't Not that it didn't want to join you. It was like, I hate this guy over here, Tom. I hate Tom. No, it's not that. It's that it didn't seek you out. You sought it out. So remember, all of these are valid traditions that can be worked with inside Hoodoo. We would like to thank the good people at the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, that's readersandrootworkers.org, for the inclusion of material from their beautiful and fantastic site. Why not go take a look at it in the What We Do segment of our show each and every week. Hope you'll go out and look at some of this history and try it out. See what's going on. Up next, I know it's getting late. I know it's getting late, but if you just if you just just stay awake, you're so you're so sleepy. I can tell you're so sleepy. Just stay awake, sleepy. We're gonna go over into the kitchen. We're gonna talk about chewing John. Poor, poor John. <laughs> Lord, that's it all. 
And so they, you can make a three Johns check ball for power, passion, and protection. To do this, you would embed small pieces of the three John roots, High John, Dixie John, and Little John in beeswax. Wrap the ball round and around with red thread to make a jack ball and carry it in a red bag dressed with High John the Conqueror oil. And uh, that's a three John's jack ball for power, passion, and protection. You can also use Little John for court case, a court case rinse and a court case incense. To do this, you brew Little John root in, into a tea for bathing yourself and also for rinsing your socks you will wear to court. Alternatively, you could burn Little John root chips on charcoal and smoke yourself and smoke your clothes in the fumes to aid you in court case matters. In terms of court case matters, you could also make a court case mojo. If you oppose others in court, whether as plaintiff or defendant, write all of your opponent's names on paper, cross them with your name written nine times, wrap the name paper around a little John root, dress it with court case oil, and place this packet in a bag along with calendula, dill seed, deer's tongue, oregano, and cascara. And then carry that with you when you're in court. And then finally, there is perhaps the most famous, which is to chew it. And again, chewing John. I saved it for last. So in this, if you chew a little piece of little John and you spit the juice onto the floor of the courtroom, then legal matters turn out in a way that is most helpful to one's own court case. The most traditional form of this spell specifies that if the judge in the case steps in the spat out little John, one will surely win the case. Unfortunately, nowadays, in a modern courtroom, spitting's not really accepted or allowed. You actually will probably get in trouble for it. So simply spitting into one's hand and discreetly rubbing it on the courtroom furniture could be sufficient. When using the dried root for this purpose, it is convenient to stew it the night before in sugar water to soften and sweeten it. If you cannot chew it, little John can be carried in your pocket in court, uh, but this is not as strong as chewing it and spitting it. Also, you, as was pointed out in Troll Talhead, you could spit it into your hand and shake the judge's hand. Unlikely you'll get a chance to. But you might be able to, I don't know, spread it around a little. We want to thank Miss Catherine Ironwood for the inclusion of materials from her excellent book, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magic of African American Conjure, for allowing us to use materials from it in our In the Kitchen section each and every week. And you know, it is an excellent book, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic. It's a wonderful book. Do you enjoy it? Do you have it? If you don't have it, you might want to get it. If you do have it and you've looked through it and you've thought, what a wonderful book. I love this book. I carry it with me everywhere. I read it constantly. What a wonderful, wonderful book. 
then you might be interested, my friends, to know that there's a companion piece about to come out. Did you know that? Did you? Did you? Have you been paying attention? Have you been, have you been listening? You should be because there's a new book about to come out, one of four. Amazing book. Hoodoo, Hoodoo Herb and Root Medicine by Catherine Ironwood and Sunra. And where can you get this fabulous book? I mean, it sounds so wonderful, and I want it, and I want it right now, Professor Porterfield. I, I need it. Well, I'll tell you where you can get it. You can get it. You can get it at – now, don't spread this around – at the 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo – oh, yes, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Hoodoo Heritage Festival, May 13th and 14th in Forestville, California. If you buy a ticket, if you buy a ticket for Saturday and Sunday and you go out to Forestville, California, you'll get this book for free. You know why? Because there will be a workshop. There will be an hour-long workshop by Catherine Ironwood on this new book. This book's going to blow your heads off. I'm serious. You love the Green Bible? Get ready for its companion. Get ready for its little sister because you're going to love it. And that's not all. There's going to be so much more. There's going to be Cursing and Crossing by Miss Aida. You get that one free too. And a workshop by Miss Aida. There's going to be Women's Work by Aura LaForest. You get that one free too. And there's going to be a workshop by Aura LaForest. You get Vulvamancy. You heard me right. Vulvamancy. I'm not playing. This isn't a hoax. This isn't a dream. This isn't an imaginary story. This is a true magical art. Contained now in 96 brilliant pages with a fantastic cover by Gray Townsend. And you're going to get it free if you come to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival and a workshop. An hour-long workshop on Vulvamancy by Dr. Jeremy Weiss. And I ain't talking about hoodoo doctor. I'm talking about diagnostic radiologist, Dr. Jeremy Rice. Vascular, interventional, and diagnostic radiologist has written Vulvamancy. And you might think, good God, good God, that's worth going right there. But there's more. There's a free breakfast every day. There's a free lunch every day. There's, for a small fee, an extra presenter's dinner on Saturday that you can go to, sit down with all your favorite people at the workshop, all your favorite people from AIR, all your favorite people from LMC, and eat and talk with them just right there at your own table. There's more. There's going to be a class by Co Meadows, a class by Madame Nadia. There's going to be entertainment by Madame Pamita, a class by Beverly Smith, an opening ritual by Candelo Canvisa and Mama E, an opening ritual by Storm Fairy Wolf. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A huge panel discussion, a huge panel discussion about legal work in court cases, just like we just talked about, led by Miss Robin York, one of the – I mean, you want to talk about hoodoo? Here's hoodoo, okay? And she's going to be in charge of a panel discussion with Andrea and Angela Marie Horner, Co Meadows. I mean, there's going to be a there's going to be a thing by Chaz Bogan 
on Ouija boards, spirit boards, talking boards. There's going to be readings by some of the best readers in the country. There's going to be a, a workshop by Susan Diamond on pendulum dowsing and divination. Comedos is going to teach you, about, teach you how to load soaps. And there's going to be a closing circle and a business card exchange. All of that just for the cost of two days. Beat it. Find a better deal someplace. I challenge you. Oh, and by the way, there's going to be two days of laughter, wit, and the exhibition of sudden discussion on unseen four topics by myself emceeing the whole event. So be there or be square. Hurry up. Hurry up before the tickets are all gone, and then it's just the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Oh. 